Good morning, and peace be with you. I am without my helper, and so the uh, audio-visual may be a little off today, if it exists at all, but that won't affect you as long as your peepers are working. So uh, the benefits of uh, coming here live. Uh, my trusty assistant of 33 years is on my, her way to pick up something I forgot in the office, which is the microphone. So. Um, what we'll do is Lee is going to be doing the announcements here. Uh, each week uh, we have somebody else from council and leadership to come up and, and let you know what's going on. And um, so without further ado, Lee, I'm going to let you take that. Good morning. Uh, my, my first try at doing this, so we'll, we'll see how it goes anyway. Um, the, the announcements, of course, are on the front of the uh, bulletin that's in your uh, program this morning. Uh, missions this month, we're going to continue to give financial support to Victory Outreach. They are having their Trunk or Treat uh, Harvest Festival on October 31st for Halloween, so it'll be a safe place for kids and families to come. It's open to other than the church. Uh, anybody's welcome to come. So if you know somebody locally that needs a place, to, a safe place to go on Halloween night, this would be it. Uh, the usual weekly sit and fit on Tuesday at 10 a.m. in the morning. 10 a.m. The a.m. would be in the morning, wouldn't it? Okay, I hate it when I do that. Uh, Bible studies on Tuesday uh, at noon. Uh, Pastor Ken leads us in the Bible study. Uh, also has an evening Zoom study. That he, uh, at seven o'clock. So let Ashley know if you want to join or attend either one of those. The men's study is on uh, Saturday morning at eight o'clock in the pastor's office. Uh, all the men are welcome to join this group. I think they have a pretty good time there. Uh, mark your calendars. Uh, if you like Nick Del Palacio's playing, he will be next Sunday and November 20th and then on Christmas morning, December 25th. Uh, Diane Zinn will also be playing for us on November 6th. 27th, December 4th and 18th, so we're going to have some live music for a good part of the next couple of months. Homebound members, uh, like Pastor Ken always says, send them a card or a letter or something or other, but uh, also if they have a phone, if you have a phone, give them a call. It's just to talk. It's nice to hear from people I know. Uh, upcoming events for Reformation Day, which is next Sunday now, that's next week, uh, be sure to wear red. Be celebrating All Saints Day on November 6th. Um, which sort of commemorates the lives of members, friends, and family that have passed away this year. Uh, worship assistance, uh, we need your help. You can always help out. You look on the back of the, <coughs> excuse me, uh, look on the back of the bulletin and it has the different jobs that are uh, available and they're always looking for more people to help out. So, uh, uh, plus it's, it's fun to look at. I like to look at and see who's working today and who's working next week, you know, so I know who to expect. So. Uh, anyway, I think that's all the announcements. You can uh, read them, uh, study them, uh, look at the back. Uh, also, like I said, don't forget there is a back. The altar flowers uh, also, there's a donation of $40 a week if you'd like to do that. Uh, and it's on the uh, table in, in the uh, narthex. So if you'd like to help out, um, you get to keep the flowers too if you want. So anyway, thank you. Have a good day.
worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, He holds the victory. come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. 
But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name, amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Help Save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are his. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all.
creation, blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you are always more ready to hear than we to pray, and always ready to give more than what we desire or deserve. Pour down on us the abundance of your mercy. Forgive us those things of which our conscience is afraid, and give us those good things for which we are not worthy to ask, except by the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. The first reading is taken from the book of Genesis, chapter 4, verses 1 through 15, and can be found on page 6 in the Pew Bible. This is the story of Cain and Abel. Genesis 4, 1 through 15. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, With the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face so downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where's your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened up its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hands. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is more than I can bear. 
Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, Not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. We'll read Psalm 5 responsibly, which is printed on page 6 in your bulletin. This psalm by David tells us that God will defend us from the lies spoken against us. Psalm 5. Listen to my words, Lord, consider my lament. Hear my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait expectantly. For you are not a God who is pleased with wickedness with you. Your people are not welcome. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies, the bloodthirsty and deceitful. You, Lord, detest. But I, by your great love, can come into your house in reverence. I bow down toward your holy temple. Lead me, Lord, in your righteousness. Because of my enemies, make your way straight before me. Not a word from their mouths can be trusted. Their heart is filled with malice. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they tell lies. Declare them guilty, O God. Let their intrigues be their downfall. Banish them for their many sins, for they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. The next reading is taken from the second book of Timothy, chapter 4, verses 6 through 8 and 16 through 18, and can be found on page 1855 in the Pew Bible. In this letter to Timothy, Paul was nearing the end of his life. Paul could confidently say he had been faithful to his call, thus he faced death calmly, knowing that he would be rewarded by Christ. 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8, and then 16 through 18. For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for this appear his appearing. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. 
To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. shall we go you have the words of eternal life alleluia the holy gospel according to saint luke from the 18th chapter glory to you o lord our gospel this morning comes from luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 17, and can be found on page 1628 of your pew Bible. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all that I get But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. And when the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God, like a little child, will never enter it. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. So this morning we heard a parable, a story, if you will, where Jesus told uh, this, that to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. That's from Luke chapter 18. And, and we call this story the Pharisee and the tax collector. 
And we may know the story very well because we've heard it many times. But how well do we know the meaning? Maybe a a better question to ask yourself, I ask myself, is this. How well do I apply? How well do I apply the meaning of this parable to myself? The parable in and of itself is, is simple to tell. A Pharisee and a tax collector went to the temple to pray. And the Pharisee spent his whole prayer bragging about himself. And the tax collector confessed his sin, and he, he begged for mercy. And both men got exactly, exactly what they wanted. The Pharisee received the admiration of the people around him, and the tax collector received God's mercy. The tax collector was justified, and the Pharisee was not. And even though the tax collector sinned greatly, God declared him to be righteous. And even though the Pharisee's life looked very good to the public, he was still damned in his sin. Jesus could not have chosen two people of greater contrast than a Pharisee and a tax collector. Back in the day that this was told, people looked up to the Pharisee with a, a great deal of admiration. People looked down on tax collectors, synonymous with the scum of the earth. People hated tax collectors because they worked for the Romans who currently occupied the land of Israel. Tax collectors basically had a franchise relationship with the Roman occupation, and here's how it worked. A tax collector would bid for the rights to a certain territory. Rome would give the right to collect taxes to the highest bidder. And any taxes that the tax collector could get over and above his bid, well, that was his to keep. And in return, Rome would back up the tax collector. How? Well, they would back up the tax collector with law enforcement, the law enforcement arm of the Roman army. And it is simply amazing how much you can collect in taxes when you have a few Roman soldiers with you to help you when you collect them. Rome did not care how many taxes were collected. They didn't have a maximum or a minimum as long as Rome got its money. And Rome didn't really care if the tax collectors got insanely rich. And from the point of view of the taxpayer, it was a lot like a protection racket. But it was legal because Rome didn't care. And it should not surprise anyone that most of the population absolutely hated tax collectors. And then there were the Pharisees. 
The Pharisees worked hard at their public relations. It was very important to them to, well, they needed to look good. Most people thought the Pharisees were the very best examples of righteous living in their culture. And you could expect a Pharisee to be obsessive about living according to the law. And the problem that a Pharisee had was in his motivation for keeping the law. You could say he lived according to the law so that he looked good to his neighbors, but he also lived according to the law so that it looked good to God. And that's the big problem right there. You see, it is impossible to keep the law in a way that God intended it. If you are going to deceive yourself into thinking that you can keep the law, you have to whittle away at it, little by little, until it becomes doable. That is what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees developed over 600 guidelines for living, guidelines that they called laws. And if you knew those laws really, really well, you would discover that they had, well, they had loopholes in them, ways to get around the law without really sinning. And if you knew these laws well and used them skillfully, you could deceive yourself into thinking that you were living a righteous life. And the Pharisees taught that salvation only began with God's mercy, but then each man had to contribute to his own salvation with a righteous life. To those who teach rules for living today, to those pastors that preach how-to sermons, they're not doing anything new. It's just like the Pharisees. The Pharisees were doing that a long time ago. So when the Pharisees prayed, that Pharisee that we read about prayed, he bragged with a long list of all of his good deeds. The fact of the matter is that he probably did everything that he mentioned in his prayer according to the law that he had learned in Pharisee school. And he probably, he probably really did keep the law as he knew it. And the tragedy is this, that in spite of his best effort, he was totally lost. Now on the other hand, we have the tax collector, and he is a living image of repentance. He knows that he is saturated in sin. He is aware that he deserved punishment every day of his life and forever in hell. He knew that he had earned the entire weight of God's wrath with his sin. And even so, he looked to God for mercy. And he believed that God was his only hope. He did not depend on himself, but entirely on God. 
And Jesus said, this man went down to his house justified. Luke 18, verse 14. Now in this parable, Jesus gives us a picture of the two main classes of religion that are throughout this world. While there are thousands of religions in the world, they all break down into just two categories. In one category, they are all, where all the religions are, they ask that you do something, you do some work, you put in some effort for your own salvation. And in the other category, well, there's only one, and that is Christianity. The one and only religion that asks nothing of you for your salvation. Christianity is about God doing all the work of saving us. The world is full of false religions. These religions are out there to suit every whim of the heart. For example, Islam has five pillars. Buddhism has the eightfold path. Reincarnation teaches you that you are born into this world of suffering again and again until you get it right. Better luck next time. The prophets of Baal in the Old Testament were trying to earn Baal's favor when they cried aloud, and they they cut themselves, and uh, it was their custom to cut themselves with swords and lances until the blood gashed out. It just gushed out upon them. If you want to look that up, uh, it's 1 Kings 18.28. And since we are dealing with the lies of false religion, they truly can be anything that you want them to be. And the truth is that they will all be about you making yourself worthy of your own salvation. A false religion may not require you to do everything for your salvation, but it will require you to do something. Christianity, on the other hand, Christianity recognizes one simple fact, and that is, I cannot, I cannot save myself. No one can. Instead, Christianity proclaims a salvation where God does all of the work of salvation, and he even sends the Holy Spirit to establish faith in me because I can't even believe in him on my own effort. As Martin Luther states in the small catechism, he says, he writes, I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. Christianity proclaims a salvation that is a free gift from God. I do, you do, nothing for salvation. God does it all. It is by the Holy Spirit's gift of faith that the tax collector can enter the the temple and say, 
this, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Because God does all of the work, all of the work of salvation, and he is faithful, he is true, he is almighty, and he is all-knowing. Christianity gives you 100% certainty of your salvation. You can be 100% certain of your salvation because you do nothing. God. God does it all. He earned our salvation for us, and he delivers that salvation to us, and he takes the dead soul and brings it to life. Now, the Bible certainly sets forth the work of God in earning our salvation. It, 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 it puts it plain. And I'm going to read a whole bunch of different scriptures, so brace yourselves. Maybe even take a note for the, I'll, I'll cite the, the source, the address for you. First, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. First of all, the Son of God took on our human flesh in order to take our place. And he took our place under the law. And he lived a perfect life. And that is impossible for us to do, for Scripture says this, For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. That's Paul's letter to the Romans in chapter 5, verse 19. So then God laid the sin of the entire world on him so that he became a great sinner in God's eyes, as the Bible tells us. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. And then he, Jesus, surrendered his body to men who nailed it to a cross. Christ Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equally or equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, Philippians 2, 6 through 8. And this, by his perfect life and his death on the cross, he was reconciled us to God and earned salvation for all people. You who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Paul's letter to the church in Colossae, Colossians 1, 21 through 22. And finally, first in John, 1 John 2, 2, John writes... He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, 
but also for the sins of the whole world. So Jesus, the Son of God, has earned salvation for us, but that salvation would be useless if God did not also deliver that salvation to us. For the Bible says this, The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. It also says, You were dead in the trespasses of sins. The Bible makes it clear that by nature, we are spiritually dead and enemies of God. And in our foolish arrogance, we believe that we can earn our own salvation. All of us are born with an inclination to be Pharisees. Now, God overcomes our hostility, and God brings us to life by the power of the Holy Spirit. For no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. And that's in 1 Corinthians. And the Holy Spirit does this through the gospel. For the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. That's from Romans 1. And faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ, Romans 10, 17. So, it is that the Holy Spirit produces and maintains faith through the gospel, and so delivers the saving work of Jesus Christ to us. The men in my men's group and you in our, in our um, Bible study on Tuesdays, when we go around the room and ask for prayers, I ask for God to prepare all of your hearts every Sunday before you come here. I invoke the Holy Spirit. I pray, Holy Spirit, help me get out of your way. I say, Holy Spirit, do the gospel unto the hearers. That's his job. My job is to proclaim him rightly and truthfully. The Pharisee judged himself by comparing himself to other people. We heard him. He said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, like extortioners, like the unjust, like adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Now here's the question. Are you listening? How often have you heard the story and thought this? God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this Pharisee. As soon as we start judging our righteousness by comparison to other people, we begin to become like the Pharisee. And as soon as we say that we are in any way responsible for our salvation, we join the Pharisee in bragging of our greatness. We draw attention away from God and toward ourselves. And as soon as phrases like, I should, I must, I have to, I ought to, and so forth, enter our talk about salvation, we are in danger of taking on that responsibility for our salvation. And this is a constant temptation. But thank goodness 
that the Holy Spirit has called us by the gospel, that he has enlightened us with his gifts and sanctified us and kept us in the true faith. For it is God, the Holy Spirit, who delivers the salvation earned for us on the cross by Jesus Christ. And he gives it to us by his gift of faith. And it is only by the Holy Spirit's gift of faith that we can join the tax collector in this parable and say, God, be merciful on me, a sinner. It is only by the Holy Spirit's gift of faith that we can go home today and every day justified. And it is only in the name of Jesus that this is true. Amen and amen. raised as my conscience fell a silly little lie it didn't mean much but it lingers still in the corners of my mind still you call me to walk on the edge of this world to spread my dreams and fly but the so far, my heart is so frail. Think I'd rather stay inside, but you love me anyway. It's like nothing in life that I've ever known. Yes, you love me anyway. Oh Lord, how you love me.
God how you love me yes you love me anyway it's like nothing in life that I've ever known yes you love me Please stand if you're able. Let us now confess our faith together to the words of the Apostles' Creed found on page three of your bulletin. I believe in God the Father Almighty creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. And on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people in accordance to their needs. Almighty Father, we come to you at the gracious invitation of your Son. May we receive your gifts as little children that make no rebuke of our sinful flesh. The world or the devil would deter us from turning to. Grant us humility to pray. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Lord, in your mercy, be merciful to your church here and in every place. Defend our pastors from arrogance and pride, and strengthen them in faithful preaching of your word, that both your holy law and your precious gospel would be proclaimed, and your children be united in saving faith. Lord, in your mercy, As your son welcomed infants, give us a deep care for the children entrusted to us that we would defend their lives even before birth. Instill in parents a desire and commitment to bring their little children to Jesus. And use our Lutheran schools, our Sunday schools, our Bible classes, and youth catechesis 
to preserve them in the faith. And teach us. Teach us of and in humility to receive the kingdom of God like a little child. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, you do not delight in wickedness or let the boastful stand before you. Give the leaders of the nations wisdom to govern in accordance with your will. Keep them mindful of the stewardship that they hold on behalf of others, that they may fulfill their duties with diligence and humility. Lord, in your mercy. God of mercy, we praise you that you deliver our souls from death and our feet from falling. Care for those who are near death. Preserve them from despair and give them a confident hope in the resurrection promises of our risen Lord. And come to the aid of everyone in need, including those on our hearts and those that we mention out loud right now. Randy. Lord, in your mercy, grant that all who come to the holy altar this day would receive the very body and blood of Jesus in repentance and faith to their abundant blessing. Lord, in your mercy, O Lord, if we trust in ourselves for righteousness, we are lost and dead in our sins. Yet you mercifully draw us to yourself in repentance and hear the cries of those who trust in your Son. Grant us humility that we may not exalt ourselves or treat our brothers and sisters with contempt. Rescue us from every evil and bring us into your kingdom as your beloved children. To you alone be all glory, O Father, with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And now may the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made for the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection he opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name, and we join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, 
Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which our Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, This is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he said to his disciples, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now together pray the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against you. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. While we were still sinners, this one comforts me. While we were still sinners, God loved us and sent his son. He had a plan for us. He loved us while we were still sinners. That song, You Love Me Anyway, brings me back to a friend of mine, Pastor Leland, and his mom always said, oh, I love you anyways. And, and what a comfort that is that earthly parents can give to their children and their grandchildren, I love you anyways. And that's beautiful, but the one when God says it, I mean, boy, that, that carries some clout. So I pray that it comforts you. I pray that you know that he loves you anyway, and he gave his son to assure that, and that in a death like his, we have died, and in a resurrection like his, we shall rise. Now, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, and you confess that with your lips, and I've heard you, not just today, but many times, then come. The table is prepared for all who believe.
He loves you anyway, amen? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I raise a hallelujah My weapon is a melody I raise a hallelujah Heaven comes to fight for me I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm Okay.